Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, we have a lot of Paramount Plus news to get through today, but before we can get into the future, we gotta get through the past. It's time for this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. First off, I want to give a few shout outs to a few Nickelodeon movies I missed in the last few segments. Uh, unfortunately, there's a, there's a few movies in my mind that I just don't associate as a Nickelodeon movie. This first one is no excuse. Uh, 21 years ago, that uh, this month, on February 11th, 2000, the movie Snow Day released in theaters. Uh, not a not a big hit for Nickelodeon. It was really, um, you know, especially after the Rugrats movie had, had, was their their last movie that was released. This massive uh, animated movie. They they make Snow Day, which kind of just comes and goes. Um, it was still a mild success at the box office. It was only made for thirteen million dollars. It ranked in sixty two point five million. Uh, but the one thing about this movie, which I gotta say, I, I watched maybe once or twice when it came out, like as a kid, and and I just have no recollection of it. Um, but one of the things about this movie is that originally the script was intended to be a movie of the adventures of Pete and Pete, which uh, which I talked about only a few episodes ago. Um, so I, I don't know. Now, when I uh, attended the Adventures of Mike and Danny podcast, uh, uh, one of the questions that got brought up was, you know, about Snow Day. Um, I'm still not sure of how much of the script that we got for Snow Day of what we saw on screen jokes and, and key points and whatnot um, were were kept over from the Pete and Pete script. But but yeah, that's an interesting tidbit about that movie. And I, I think it, it would have been 10 times better to get uh, the an Adventures of Pete and Pete movie instead of Snow Day. Uh, no offense to Snow Day or any of its fans out there. Um, but also, another movie I completely forget that Nickelodeon helped produce, uh, a little movie called The Spiderwick Chronicles that was released 13 years ago on February 14th, 2008. Uh, it was actually the last movie I saw at one of our local theaters before it shut down. Um and I have n I've never seen it since I saw it in theaters. I saw it with someone who, who really wanted to see it. Uh, I have no recollection of the movie whatsoever. If you asked me for character or plot point or resolution, I have nothing for you. And I know I saw it in theaters, which is a. Uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, we are going to go a little out of order here, and you'll understand that in a second. Uh, but as for this week in Nickelodeon history, 18 years ago this week, on February 23rd, 2003, uh, a Nickelodeon original TV movie uh, premiered, Maniac McGee, based off of the novel from Jerry Spinelli. Uh, I read the book in, in school, very close to this movie coming out, uh, and I remember watching the movie and it's pretty close to the book i can't tell you you know exactly because i remember some things about the story of maniac mcgee um but i can just tell you my i remember my feelings when when watching the movie that that they got it pretty close so um but I, there's not even a poster for this movie like i'm just stuck on the wikipedia page just with nothing uh i don't know if it ever re-aired on nickelodeon but i remember it being like a a very promoted event. It's just some, sometimes Nickelodeon has these movies they promote, they come out and then you almost never see them in circulation again, which is, uh, it's pretty weird. 
Five years ago, on February 24th, 2016, a fresh beat band of spies concluded its 20-episode run. Uh, man, I, I knew about the fresh beat band, just another kind of uh, goofy preschool show, kind of in the same vein of The Wiggles, um, adults making making songs for kids and, and just kind of very lighthearted adventures. I never knew Fresh Beat Band of Spies existed. Apparently, it's a spinoff that, I'm, of course, you can guess includes spies or whatnot, but uh, never, never heard of it, never heard of this, like, ever coming out my first time. Uh, hearing about it, although I am completely out of its demographic, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, in the same week, five years ago, on February 27th, 2016, the show A Hundred Things to Do Before High School ended its 25-episode first season. Uh, I remember seeing uh, things about this being promoted, uh, but obviously the show only ran it for its one season wasn't picked up uh but it was a starring role for Isabella Monier who would eventually go on to uh uh play Dora the Explorer in the live action movie Dora and the Lost City of Gold so that is very interesting Today we went a little bit out of order just so we can end with this big one because 15 years ago on February 21st, 2005, Avatar The Last Airbender premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is is one of the three biggest shows to ever premiere on Nickelodeon, the other two being Rugrats and Spongebob. The reason why Avatar uh, gets that third spot over a show like The Fairly Odd Parents, who who lived on television for, for 15 years themselves... Uh, to me, is a question of of quality over quantity. Avatar: The Last Airbender was only three seasons long, or three books as they call them, and has a very clear beginning, middle, and end to their story. That they did not overstay their welcome on television, and that story has persevered the last fifteen years to the point that Avatar: The Last Airbender is more popular right now than it was when it was on television. Uh, it gains more fans every single day to the point that we, with the news we're going to be talking about, the future of Avatar doesn't seem like a questionable thing. The show, created by Dante DiMartino and Brian Koyetsko, uh, set itself apart almost immediately from any other Nicktoon that came before it. Uh, it was definitely a left-field idea of Nickelodeon. Uh, they had never done an anime before or was ever really associated with anime. Nickelodeon was one of the last networks you would expect to have its own anime. Uh, but here they were with this show that was just beautiful from the ground up. You can see uh, this world that, that was built off of East Asian culture. Uh, a few other cultures were kind of mixed in. And the style, even though it presents itself as an anime does also have some influences that combines anime with the cartoons that we were having at the time on television, the kind of animation we would expect. So even though it may have looked different, there was still a, a bit of that Nickelodeon shine to the whole ordeal, which I think just increases the enjoyment of watching it. Um, the, the, now, the story of Avatar is a completely different subject. And I don't want to spoil anything, even though it's been out for 15 years, I would say if you either have never watched the show or you've only watched a few episodes, do yourself a favor, 
and and discover Avatar The Last Airbender. Just just watch it for yourself. I am sure that everybody out there would be able to find something about this show that they can like, whether or not it be a character, an episode, the whole story, the the animation, the martial arts of it, something about this show, it, there's going to be something that checks off a box for you. Um, this show is about people in the world who use martial arts known as bending to use the elements of the land in combat. Um, there are the, the firebenders, there are airbenders, there are waterbenders, and there are earthbenders. There is also a being known as the Avatar, who is born in each of the uh, nations, if you will, in, in sequential order. And at this pivotal moment, a century ago before the show starts, uh, the, the most current Avatar, a young airbender named Aang, is afraid of his responsibilities, leaves his home, and is completely uh, swept up in the ocean and encased in an iceberg near the South Pole. The Fire Lord Sozin, the then ruler of the Fire Nation, launches a world war to expand his nation's empire. Uh, and f and fully knowing that the Avatar must be an air nomad, carry out a genocide against the nomads with the help of a comet that enhances his power. A uh, hundred years later, where the show picks up, uh, siblings Katara and Sokka, who live in the Southern Water Tribe, accidentally discover Aang in the iceberg and revive him. Uh, Aang, now waking up in this world a hundred years later, where none of his people exist anymore, has to kind of find his way in, in this world, learn the other three elements that he didn't get to learn before encasing himself in the iceberg, and is is destined to take down the current Fire Lord, who is still ruling over this world. Um, it is a epic story that I, I refuse to spoil for anyone because it takes... Uh, turns that you just you have to see for yourself um, Avatar had three seasons or as I mentioned earlier three books each one concerning uh, a different power so book wa book one was water book two is earth and book three is fire each of those uh, self-contained tell the story of how Aang learns that new bending element as he continues his way through the world and um, and grows as a person, as do all of the other characters he meets up and pals along with. Uh, the show, of course, ended, it finished its run on July 19th, 2008, was eventually followed by uh, a a terrible film adaptation called The Last Airbender uh, by M. Night Shyamalan, which took the entire first season of the show and tried telling that in a in a 90-minute movie. Um, there are things about that movie that I, I, I do generally like. I like the effects of both Momo and Appa, uh, two of the animal characters from the show. The, they would be very hard to mess up as long as you have somebody competent at the computer. Um, the And even the bending and some of the action se sequences, uh, I, I remember watching it in the theater and um, feeling like when I watched the show that that's kind of what it would look like. So I was I was pleasantly surprised about that. But this movie was a, a complete like what could have been a slam dunk was an absolute misfire by M. Night Shyamalan, who became a fan of the show himself, apparently, by watching it with his kids, although I don't think a fan would adapt a show and immediately go and change the names of the characters uh, simply because uh, of how people would pronounce those names in other in other parts of the world. I, I think his heart was in the right place with that, but it's 
it's just wrong. Your world is fictional. The world of Avatar doesn't exist in our world. So guess what? The spelling of A-A-N-G is going to be pronounced as Ang, not Ang. But uh, suffice to say, that movie and its future plans did not uh, did not come to fruition. Although eventually the creators would come back to Nickelodeon, create a sequel series called The Legend of Korra, which would follow uh, another Avatar named Korra, in a, in a world 70 years after the initial series. Uh, Korra has its own uh, massive fan base as well in its own right, but the original Avatar is still continuing on. Uh, Netflix announced in September 2018 that they were reimagining the show as a live-action show and had the initial creators on board as executive producers and showrunners. It was a really exciting time until you find out that two years later, they both stepped away from the project, saying that they left the show due to creative differences. Uh, since then, I've wondered well, what possibly could those creative differences be and how are they not going to ruin the show? Because if the initial creators find something so against their their views of the series that it makes them walk away, doesn't that scare you a little bit as what Netflix has up their sleeve? Uh, but they've surprised me before, so I will stay slightly optimistic when it comes to that adaptation. Uh, but speaking on the future of Avatar, on February 24th, 2021, Viacom CBS announced Avatar Studios, a brand new division of Nickelodeon centered completely on developing new animated series in films set in the Avatar universe. Uh, the first of which of these projects was announced as a theatrical film to begin production in 2021. Uh, Koietsko and DiMartino are its co-chief creative officers and report directly to Nickelodeon Animation President Ramsey Naito. Uh, this is a big deal uh, because we have never had a Nicktoon like this just kind of develop its own studio just based off of popularity. And, and this is a clear expansion into Avatar. Viacom is very serious about Avatar, and I think Nickelodeon is very serious about Avatar as well uh, to make sure that these guys stay happy and stay creative because everything they've made so far has been absolute... Uh, has made so much money for the network, even in terms of streaming, I imagine, and of course in its current offerings of products in stores. Just go to any box lunch in this country, any Hot Topic, and there is a good amount of Avatar The Last Airbender merchandise. Um, so the first project here, a theatrical animated film, the fact that it is said to be theatrical is telling me that this film is going to center around Aang. Uh, a theatrical movie is a gamble. Uh, the studio wants to make money. So if Paramount is going to help promote or pay for this, they need to guarantee the most butts in the seats. And out of anything that they could do, another story surrounding Aang would be the absolute biggest idea that they could put on that big screen. And I'm not saying that an original idea with original characters wouldn't be a big hit. Um, but you, you got to go safe with the first one. You got to you got to recoup money because you show at, at its biggest how much money it can make, because then that'll determine how things move going forward. If you release a wholly original film set in the Avatar universe and 
you know, creatively, I know no matter what they put out, it's going to be a home run. But if it doesn't do well financially or only does slightly well, then that kind of shuts down the idea of future projects. You you got to show investors, you got to show people in charge that it's it's worth making. So I, I do believe that since the comics have kept uh, the story of Aang going, that there is so much to be made here and so much to do. Uh, and I don't think the story of Aang is done. So I'm going to say that as a safe bet, that first movie is going to be about Aang. But hopefully it does well. I, I hope it, it, it does so well that we get further movies with Aang. I hope we get movies with Korra. I, I hope we get uh, more avatars. What What's the next avatar we see, which I, I'm sure is an inevitable possibility here, but uh, this is all exciting. Along with Avatar Studios, Viacom CBS announced a few other uh, Nickelodeon projects coming to Paramount+. Plus. Of course, already we already have Camp Coral, SpongeBob's Under Years, which I think is better fit as a Paramount Plus exclusive because I don't know it just takes a I feel like it should take a bit of the cynicism away because having a um, a streaming service now you, you need content and they're they're gonna dip into the Nickelodeon fold as much as they can to get this content instead of making it for channels like or uh, services like Netflix I bet they're kicking themselves in the pants for giving them Invader Zim and Rocco and they have the Loud House movie and uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie going out on that service while Paramount Plus is over here like we need more. Pro we need more stuff. Come on, give give us what you got. Uh, but we have Camp Coral. We have a revival of iCarly. We have the revival of Rugrats, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But we also have the announcements of two live action series based off of Nickelodeon properties: Dora the Explorer and the Fairly Odd Parents. Now, both of these series have had live action movies before of course we got the movie dora and the lost city of gold two years ago which was a which is a little surprising family hit for me i i enjoyed watching that movie i didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome or uh it wasn't entertaining there were certainly some things i would have done differently if i was directing that movie but uh it's a very safe movie and the fairly odd parents have actually had a trilogy of live action movies. The first one, a fairly odd movie, Grope Timmy Turner, was surprising in its quality. I was not happy about that movie whatsoever when it was first announced. I was scared when they first announced the live action Fairly Odd Parents movie because they they initially announced it with uh, Jason Alexander as Cosmo and Cheryl Hines as Wanda, and I just thought, are they going to have these? If they're going to take the actors' heads and just have them on these tiny bodies, I thought that that was the direction they were going to be going in. Uh, luckily, Jason and Cheryl played Cosmo and Wanda in a very specific part in this movie, and Cosmo and Wanda and Poof were actually presented in CGI, uh, it was closely resembling their cartoon counterparts, which they're fairies, it, it makes sense. Uh, the movie is a surprising... I don't want to say hit. I mean, it was definitely watched by a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people like this movie, but um, I was very surprised. I was very cynical going into it, even though I was happy to see Cosmo and Wanda that were still animated. But I just, you know what really excited me? The fact that they were able to get Darren Norris uh, as Mr. Turner. Um, Darren Norris voices Cosmo and Mr. Turner on the Fairly Odd Parents, and he kind of looks like Mr. Turner anyway. So, you know, here you have Mr. Turner sounding like himself. It was uh, incredibly fun to see. It reminded me of the fact that I went and saw uh, Aladdin on Broadway, and they have the actual voice actor 
uh, of Jafar. He was a he was a Broadway guy and he played um, he played Jafar on stage. Let me get his name. Jonathan Freeman. So like you're watching Aladdin, the Broadway show. And when Jafar is on stage, it, it like your mind just goes numb a little bit because it's it's actually Jafar talking. It's very cool. Um, but the movie's OK. It's not bad. And it certainly is way better than the thought of a live action Fairly Odd Parents movie. It was followed by A Fairly Odd Christmas a year later, which is, of course, a Christmas related movie. I have almost no recollection of what goes on in that movie. Uh, and then the last one is A Fairly Odd Summer. Uh, which uh, the one thing about A Fairly Odd Summer I really like is they actually had Foop in there, who was one of the newer Fairly Odd Parents characters that I, I really did like. And I have to give Eric Bowser some credit, uh, although I think on a previous episode of the show, I was very downing his stimpy that I still agree with that. But his his Foop is is one of the more entertaining Nickelodeon villains. I, I really enjoyed Foop. Uh, so but this is a show. So are they going to be following the idea of the cartoon where it's a, they have a young actor playing Timmy Turner who has fairies? Are they just going to go with the design of the movies where they're just kind of CGI Cosmo and Wanda, but they're just following the adventures of a young Timmy Turner? I, I, I'm not really into it. I mean, the one good thing about that idea is if we can get past, if we can get away from the poof and the sparky and the Chloe seasons and just get back to Timmy, Cosmo and Wanda, maybe this could be a little fun. But as usual, I will withhold most of my judgment until I actually see the show or at least, you know, see the direction they're going in in a trailer or something. Dora, on the other hand, I think has potential to work as a live action show. But what I'd like to see them do is kind of go a different direction than the movie did. The movie kind of presented itself in a way that it would kind of wink and nod at the original show. I kind of want to see this world in which, um, you know, there's a Benny the Bull and there's Tico the Squirrel and and Swiper. And what's the daily life of Dora? Uh, you can have fun with this. I mean, what if even her mom sending her to the store to get her to get milk, like an ornate activity becomes an adventure? Uh, it has potential, and, and honestly, as much as there is uh, love for Dora, I, I don't think there's room to really mess with Dora's legacy. She's just kind of, or she's just been through so much that, I don't know, I don't think you can tarnish that. And I I, I don't think, nothing against Dora or anything, I just don't think the fan base of it would be that offended if it, how the show is made. I mean, it's it's something that has aimed for preschoolers. So as long as it's still succeeding and entertaining preschoolers, then can't really be mad at it. Easily the biggest show that I'm excited for coming to Paramount Plus is, of course, the 2021 revival of Rugrats. Now, I may be a big SpongeBob fan, but before SpongeBob, there was Rugrats in my life, uh, and I was a massive Rugrats fan. So my my heart is very much in the idea of preserving Rugrats. Um, but if you're a real big fan of Rugrats, most of you should know that the show kind of died back in 1994 after co-creator Paul Germain was unceremoniously fired from Klasky Shupo, uh, and and his creative force was kind of left with whoever was still working at the studio. Uh, Paul went on to create Recess uh, over at Disney, and Rugrats continued on without him, and, and slowly but surely that 
that quality that Rugrats had in those initial 65 episodes uh, was slowly getting lost to time. Uh, so with this revival, not only are we getting the principal voice cast returning, or at least most of them, uh, because there's some that, that seemingly have not confirmed their involvement, which either means that their characters are just not being brought back, or those characters have been recast, which uh, would be a massive disaster. Uh, but we're getting most of the voice cast returning, and we are getting most of the creative force behind Rugrats returning with Paul Germain returning in an executive producing role and uh, I think has some creative capacity in this show. Somebody also mentioned that writer Rachel Lipman, who was uh, an original writer of the original 65 episodes, is also returning. So there's this massive effort to, to get back uh, as much to the basics as we had in the early 90s because this show... Uh, seemingly is taking place in a world where Dill isn't born and Kimmy isn't involved in the picture. Um, and, but the one big takeaway, other than the animation from this show, is how well the writing and music fit classic Rugrats. If you watch that clip and close your eyes, if the, if the animation bothers you that much, you can't tell me that this doesn't sound like, like old-school Rugrats to, to you. Uh, because I... I kept watching the clip and just smiling from ear to ear feeling like this is creatively going to be in the in the right direction something that I've been missing for most of my life because as much as I enjoyed um you know the the Rugrats movie I love the Rugrats movie the show that started after the movie came out when Dill was brought in as a regular um started losing a bit of that that creative juice that I I loved um, and there's still some great episodes of that era. And, and even after when Kimmy came in, uh, there's still some quality episodes, but uh, just kind of the overall feel. And if you go back and look at the history of Rugrats, there is a lot of history between um, the, the stuff that was going on between Arlene Klasky and and uh, and Paul Germain. But uh, but Paul's ideas are what Rugrats was built off of the foundation of the show. So I'm hoping to see more of his uh, creative influence in this new show, but we do have most of the, like I had mentioned before, most of the cast returning. Um, I think the only character that we didn't get to see yet that is confirmed to return is Dee Dee Pickles. Her voice actress confirmed that she was coming back, Melanie uh, Chartoff. Uh, but a few other actors, uh, the, the voice actor of Chaz and Drew mentioned that uh, he, he was not going to, to come back to the show or, or that he wasn't involved or wasn't asked. And, and that bothered me. So are we just not going to see Chaz Finster or Drew Pickles? Are those characters just not going to fit in this world? Uh, it seems a few other changes are being made to the show. It seems as if, although Dill and, and Kimmy are not there, Susie looks to be taking on a more prominent featured role in the series with the cast. Um, and... I don't know if anybody really noticed this, but the Pickles house, although looks completely untouched on the outside, the inside has been redone. Like, it was almost as if they took the outer house and said, okay, make a new, in, you know, make a new house on the inside, redesign it. Because we do see a bit of that classic playpen and it's right near the, you know, the big door going out to the backyard um, and of course there's a flat screen TV in there but the the overall room seems a bit smaller and the kitchen is also to the left side whereas in the classic show you would have 
the playpen right up against the the doors and then you'd see the kitchen to the right side so you can also see the staircase leading to the second floor right in this little front room as well or back room I don't know it's it's crazy I'm, I'm interested to see the new layout of the home uh, I'm interested that they kept the design of the outside the same but but decided to kind of have the the pickles renovate their house I mean maybe that is what happened maybe the pickles just renovated their home and that's the explanation of it that we'll get uh, or we just don't need an explanation because this is just kind of starting from square one and and building up again uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see but from everything I've seen I'm I am very excited for that show and that is is something I'm going to be heavily looking forward to on Paramount plus. Um, but other things they have coming, if you're a Comedy Central fan, uh, they, of course, uh, right before uh, Comedy Central will debut Beavis and Butthead on its network, they will have a movie on Paramount+. Plus. There will be movies based off of Workaholics, Reno 911. They're coming back with Frasier. I mean, we've talked about the whole range of entertainment for uh, for young kids from Dora the Explorer all the way to, to Frasier. So uh, Paramount+, Plus is going to be something to look look forward to. Once again... Hashtag not sponsored, although, oh man, if Paramount just came to me and said, we want to sponsor your show, absolutely, and I'll still pay for the service. Yeah, I'm, 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 I just, look, I just love the stuff they're making. What can I say? Uh, but before we get into SpongeBob and to this week's episode, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get right back, we're going to watch Grandma's Kisses. It sucks his thumb and plays with dolls and um, wears pajamas with feet in him and carries his uh, uh, blankie around and... Uh, all right already. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. First, puff out your chest. Now say tax exemption. Tax exemption. Now you must acquire a taste for freeform jazz. This week we're talking about one of my favorite season two episodes, the episode Grandma's Kisses, which first premiered on April 28th, 2001 and was written by Walt Dorn, Paul Tibbet, and Meriwether Williams. Uh, Grandma's Kisses... Grandma's Kisses is one of those episodes of SpongeBob that you, you see it once and it kind of sits in your memory. You're, you're just always going to remember it. It has such a fun time with its premise and, and the avenues it decides to take. Uh, it goes down some crazy, crazy directions uh, for an episode that starts so, um, so childlike, so innocently. 
The episode starts out with SpongeBob visiting his grandmother, Grandma Squarepants, voiced by Marion Ross, who is best known for her work on the show Happy Days as Marion Cunningham. Uh, Grandma Squarepants appears a few times throughout the show, but stopped appearing in vocal roles after Marion Ross retired from acting in 2018. She is the mother of SpongeBob's father, Harold, and uh, she seems to at least live near Bikini Bottom. We don't really know... Uh, where SpongeBob's parents live uh, in terms of, of how far from Bikini Bottom, but at least Grandma Squarepants seems to be close by, as SpongeBob is close enough to walk to her home and for her to drive him to his work at the Krusty Krab. This beginning segment of SpongeBob visiting his grandmother is just crazily adorable. It shows SpongeBob getting cookies being made, being able to lick the spoon while she reads him a story and he sits on her lap. It's a very cute opening, and if you had a, a mother or a grandmother or somebody in your life who did things like this, like cook with you, let you lick the spoon, read stories, this kind of sequence is just going to make you think of them. Uh, I, I think of my own grandmother, who is thankfully still with us, uh, who when I was a kid was just as excited to hang out with me and do things and cooking and, and have fun, and she was cool enough that she w I made her sit through the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie in theaters with my friends, and also uh, I saw Spider-Man 3 with her. I don't even think she ever watched one or two. She just wanted to see a movie with me, so I was like, well, Spider-Man 3 is out, and we went and saw that. Uh, how's that for an introduction for the Spider-Man trilogy from Sam Raimi? Um, but yeah, th this kind of sequence just reminds me of my grandmother who would do things like that and and grandma squarepants is a very loving grandmother uh, to the point that she drives her grandson to work at 3 p.m when it's time like even though he works and is lives like an adult lives on his own it's it's that childlike uh perseverance of spongebob that uh that we all enjoy but it you know look no matter how old you get in in the eyes of your grandmother or your mother or your father or grandfather you're always going to be a kid to them because there's that age gap um but it's just super cute so she drops him off at the crusty crab which by the way spongebob going into work at 3 p.m is a little weird so i don't know if this was just like a sunday or saturday thing or what's going on but i've always assumed that when spongebob isn't there mr krabs is on the grill uh, which means that the Krusty Krab probably opens up maybe around like 11 or 12. I don't think they do breakfast, so it's got to be a lunch thing. So maybe for the first three hours, it's just Squidward, uh, you know, manning the, the register and Mr. Krabs on the grill. We've been shown that Squidward can not really man the grill like SpongeBob can. So I don't think he's back there. But uh, SpongeBob gets dropped off, and Grandma SquarePants puts a giant kissy mark on his forehead that SpongeBob walks into the Krusty Krab in and just unfairly gets berated by uh, Squidward and even the customers of the Krusty Krab over this gesture from his grandmother. They 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 very they make fun of him to a level that he he leaves upset. Um, and it's kind of weird. Like I expect that kind of behavior from Squidward. Uh, but to see everybody just kind of gang up on SpongeBob like this is a bit unfair because Grandma SquarePants is great. I want her to knit me a sweater with love in the stitches. I want her to cook me, uh, bake me chocolate chip cookies. And, and I, look, I would take a story from Grandma SquarePants. She probably knows the best ones. But um, SpongeBob, of course, at this time goes to Patrick who, you know, gives him the advice that, yeah, like, hey, you got to show your grandmother that you're an adult, which 
it, it's just one of those things that like early Patrick and these in these few earlier seasons for as dull as Patrick can be, which we do see in this episode as well. He also has a lot more moments of of wisdom. You know, I think it is very smart for, you know, to if you are bothered by, you know, the childlike treatment to tell your parent or your grandparent, you know, to kind of age you up a little bit that you can still enjoy freeform jazz and cookies and rock big old sideburns, which, by the way, uh, they uh, SpongeBob and Patrick before going to grandma's house, which I don't even know why Patrick's there other than to you know, include be included in the story. But uh, they put these giant sideburns on as if that is the that is what makes a man, which they would eventually change to mustaches in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. But if, uh, I guess originally in this show it was supposed to be uh, mustaches. Um, so we, we get, of course, this confrontation of adulthood to Grandma SquarePants. Patrick takes advantage of the situation and goes and enjoys everything that uh, SpongeBob used to enjoy with his grandmother. So she bakes him cookies. She's got a bib on him. Uh, and this this whole sequence of events that happen inside Grandmother's house, they are absolutely like some of the funniest stuff of this entire season, uh, maybe even the entire show. This has got to be a top 10 moment of of Patrick just fully enjoying and encapsulating the care of grandma while SpongeBob has to sit there and act like he doesn't want all the same cookies and attention that he's getting. Uh, I, I <laughs> one of the funniest parts is when Patrick's belly like he's eaten like two plates of cookies thus far like massive plates and his stomach is just hanging over the table and he's just like boy I'm stuffed and grandma comes over with another plate and of course Patrick just sucks it up like a vacuum cleaner um, she makes Spongebob some steamed coral at this time uh, and, and she her whole attitude is she's like okay you're an adult then I'm just gonna I'm gonna feed you steamed coral and you can have some office supplies and and that's all you're getting. You're not going to get any of the fun stuff that Patrick's going to Patrick's going to get. Um, it kind of made it seem that that Grandma Squarepants and Patrick at least had some interaction at some point. I mean, I know my grandmother uh, bringing me to like Yu-Gi-Oh the movie uh, brought my friends with me and was you know my friends were included in things I did with her. So she was she was involved with my friends as well. So. I I suppose that Grandma Squarepants and Patrick have had many interactions before with how much she hangs around with SpongeBob. Uh, so this didn't seem weird, although the first time I had watched this as a kid, I thought it was a little weird on just how inviting she was into this into this kind of ritual of what she does with SpongeBob. Uh, the the sweater part really really gets me. That that's what really set SpongeBob over the edge. Um, because there's one thing is cookies being made or one thing, but when your when your grandmother or loved one makes makes you something like a sweater or some kind of hat or scarf, handmade items are the greatest things to receive in the world. Uh, it doesn't matter how it turns out in the view of the artist because it's the recipient uh, that always sees it as what it is. It's gold. It's gold to receive those kind of products. Uh, and and one of the last straws here was was the sweater. SpongeBob eventually, um, after being kind of booted out of the house, as Patrick was going to take a nap in front of this wonderful fire, wearing this this over the top cotton sweater and a blanket. Grandma was giving him the 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 big baby treatment. Uh, SpongeBob comes back 
and completely unloads on his grandmother all of the frustrations um, that he was holding out. That Like, he wants to be treated like a baby, but also like an adult as well. Um, it's a very cute story. It's, it's very self-contained. Um, and it's just it's it's about relationships. It's about those relationships we have with our family members, um, those embarrassing moments that we think might be embarrassing. But then sometimes we just we like them. We, we think about those moments. I'm sure you have some of those in your life where a parent embarrassed you in some way. But like at the end of the day or even when you get older, you might look back on that and go, ma'am, I, I really I really miss that. I, I would love to be embarrassed like that every day. Um it was nice. I think Grandma Squarepants is a wonderful addition to the show. Uh, she doesn't show up in very many episodes, uh, but her but her time when she does show up, she uses it wisely, and she's just a very caring grandmother. And it's the first time that we see uh, really another uh, SpongeBob family member interact other than his parents, because uh, before her, it was just SpongeBob's parents. We didn't really get to see that expansion as we do moving forward. Uh, the SpongeBob uh, Wikipedia, the Encyclopedia SpongeBobia, lists one of the pieces of, pieces of trivia of this episode is that all of the fish apparently that made fun of uh, SpongeBob at the Krusty Krab were blue, which I. It's just something that probably I could watch this episode another 500 times and, and never notice that, uh, which is pretty crazy. And that is the episode of Grandma's Kisses. Just another standout in season two. One of those classic episodes that has stood the test of time. And it gives us more SpongeBob memes, of course, where uh, SpongeBob, where Patrick is telling SpongeBob that he has to acquire a taste from freeform jazz. That is an internet meme. And Patrick's line of, have I ever not been right, has been used on the internet plenty of times. Uh, it's just, I don't know where this stands in the whole list of SpongeBob episodes. I don't know if it would hit top 10 for me, but this would have to be a top 25 episode as it has those jokes and moments that just stick with you. Those moments that uh, will, will never leave your psyche if you're a SpongeBob fan. Those quotes, those lines. I mean, uh, the idea that to be an adult, you have to have big sideburns and enjoy freeform jazz. Uh, I, I've definitely heard that mentioned out in the world, just adults who say something like that to reference SpongeBob. This is a very referenceable episode, uh, and I'm glad it exists. It's one of it's one of my personal favorites, and uh, especially anything that's going to make me think of fond memories of my grandmother, I, I'm going to enjoy. So this will be one I, I will always enjoy for the rest of my life. But uh, that is the episode this week. Thank you for all of you who listened. Thank you for joining me. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the show on YouTube, uh, go and do so now. We are getting the entire catalog episodes up on there with new artwork for you to see uh, coming up during season two. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, you're enjoying some of the new uh, additions to the show uh, and video only content coming soon on both YouTube and our Facebook pages. If you would like to write to the show and have your questions read on our snail mailbag segment, you can write us at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O. NYX.com. Send me your questions, your comments, or if you have anything you want me to read out on the air here, I absolutely will. So thank you for joining me this week. Stay safe and you're welcome aboard anytime. I'm ready! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? May 
Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.